Chris, did we ever settle on where you sat with taking your own food to a restaurant? I don't remember if I grilled you. You didn't grill me too hard, but I think my answer would be, though I've never done it, if the cost of living keeps going the way it's going, I'm not opposed to it either. And of course, I mean, you're referring to what we asked uh, the listeners yesterday, which was, is it ever okay to BYO food to a restaurant after you told your yarn about a woman doing just that when you worked in hospo with her own half an avocado? On the one hand, I somewhat admire the audacity. Of course, of course. But on the other, just don't. <laughs> Stay at home. Invite people round. I don't know, so that you can eat your avocados together instead of... It was a big no from me. But you all agree with me as well. 88% say absolutely not, no, do not bring your own food into a hospitality venue. Uh, but 12% did say... Hundies, go no. for it. Twelve. Yeah, twelve. Twelve. Maybe if we can collate that twelve and they can all go out for dinner together, they won't have to pay for anything. No, they won't. A potluck at a venue. We'll set it up. Anyway, in the meantime, Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Jess. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. We're getting ever so much closer to election day. Are there still undecided voters out there? Israel is still working to secure the release of those taken hostage in Gaza. The jury is out in round two of the trial of David Ben Bow, who's facing murder charges in Christchurch. And we're bringing back the Pets and Rentals Coordinator. You said they shouldn't be banned. So what does the New Zealand Property Investors Federation think? And the passport, that crucial travel document. Could it soon be a thing of the past? All that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. There is still one more leaders' debate to come in the run-up to the elections. That's on Thursday. But tonight, it's the minor party's turn. The press debate in Christchurch has a reputation as a rowdy affair with a big live audience. And, of course, last time they met on stage, it was pretty fiery between acts David Seymour and New Zealand First's Winston Peters. But for those undecided voters thinking to throw their hat in with one of the smaller parties, it could be an opportunity to crystallise who to vote for. Staff's political editor Luke Malpass is one of those moderating the debate. Welcome. Hey, Emma, how are you going? I am very well, thank you. Tell you who's probably not very well, undecided voters. Do we know if they tend to go for major parties or minor parties? Well, the conventional wisdom is that they go for um, major parties Mm -hmm. because by their nature they swing between, you know, the left and the right. It's particularly looking like there could be a lot because compared to the last election, advanced voting appears to be down quite significantly. So that could mean a bunch of things. could mean a bunch of people aren't going to show up. People aren't worried about COVID or they're undecided about who they're going to vote for. So they're waiting to the last minute. Look, undecided figures are sitting around 10% according to the latest polls. That might sound small to some, but is that a pretty significant chunk? Yes, it is. I mean, if a big chunk of those kind of fall one way or the other, that could have a decisive effect on the result. I mean, MNP elections, and sort of Chris Luxon National have been saying this, they're actually all very close. And on election night, right, the result all adds up to 100%. So two points that go over to one party come from somewhere else. So the shift, if you have two or three points, say, of Labor to National or from National to Labor, that's essentially a six-point kind of a swing. Are tensions between ACT and New Zealand first calming down or the opposite? AKA, what are you expecting tonight on stage? 
Oh, look, everyone will fight their corner. I mean, everyone wants as many votes as they can have. I mean, the thing with both ACT and New Zealand First is that fundamentally they believe very different things. And stylistically, you have two men of different generations who don't like each other much at all. That very much feeds into what's what's happening. You know, I think we'll see that reflected on stage tonight, most probably. So how do you prepare for what you're doing tonight? You've just mentioned people, different personalities, different parties, different policies, not one, not two, not three, but four of those people on stage being moderated by you. What goes into preparing for that? Oh, so you try and look at it from all angles. I mean, particularly, this will be one of the last debates. So we'll be looking to try and you know, cover a bit of terrain that hasn't been covered if we can. And particularly as kind of the numbers have firmed up and I guess changed a bit, uh, one of the things that you've got to be looking at now as far as the minor parties go is how well do they play with others. And what are you most looking forward to tonight, Luke? Oh, I'm, Don't say the bevy after. I'll be very, very... <laughs> to be honest, I think I'll be, I'll be very interested to hear what Winston Peters has to say. I mean, most likely... It'll be him who dictates the terms of government for the fourth time in as many decades, which is quite remarkable. I think the other thing I'll be quite interested in is all of these leaders, uh, you know, they're going to be in front of a big crowd, which is going to be a very cool thing. And um, we're really looking forward to it. Luke Malpass, always great to catch up. Remember, you can watch tonight's Minor Parties Debate. It will be streaming live on Stuff from 7pm. Well over a 1,000 people in Israel and Gaza have died after Hamas invaded on Saturday and Israel responded with retaliatory attacks. The wave of assaults launched by the militant group was the biggest escalation between the two sides for decades. Along with those killed in Israel in the attacks, many others have been taken hostage. Israel's ambassador to New Zealand, Ran Yakobi, says the way civilians have been treated is a war crime. Now they've used more than ever civilians on both sides. And they even kidnapped Israeli civilians into the Gaza Strip to use them as uh, human shields. They are shooting from within and they are escaping and hiding within a civilian population. This is a double war crime against civilians and from civilian areas. Israel's ambassador to New Zealand, Ran Yacobi. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead... The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read... Subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Good news if you're a forgetful traveller, but bad news if you're a sentimental soul who likes to collect stamps from around the world. But which side of the fence do you fall on? Team Passport or Team whatever the opposite to a passport is? Team Microchip? Anyway, we'll figure it out. Let us know on TikTok or Insta. Search Newsable NZ. I'm Team Stamp. Stamp and Passport. <laughs> there you go. 
The jury in the retrial of David Benbow, who was accused of murdering his former best friend, has retired to consider a verdict. This is the second time the charges have come to court in a case where nobody was ever discovered or a weapon identified. It's alleged Benbow shot Michael McGrath, who was in a relationship with Benbow's former wife back in 2017. Martin Van Baden has been in court and joins us now. Kia ora, Martin. Welcome to Newsable. Kia ora. Now, last time round, the trial resulted in a hung jury. So how did we end up the second time round? Well, because there was a hung jury, the Crown had to decide whether to retry David Bembo for the murder of Michael McGrath. I don't think that was terribly surprising to find that they wanted a retrial, and that started about seven weeks ago. And now we are at the stage where the jury is retired to look at all the evidence and come to a verdict, hopefully. Martin, this time round, have you heard anything new that was said to the court or the jury? Well, we haven't heard anything uh, terribly new, although there has been more evidence about certain aspects of the evidence. Mm. One of those was the CCTV footage, which needed some bolstering by some further testing. Then we've had power usage in uh, Michael McGrath's house, which was a bit of a disaster in the first trial, but the Crown have successfully uh, made a bit of a fist of it this time. And then the, the third item, which is a fairly crucial item, and that was a sighting of David Bembo and Michael McGrath at Bembo's property on the morning that he is alleged to have killed Michael McGrath. So that's a very crucial sighting. It's always been problematical because the witness changed his story, looked suggestible. So uh, those three things have have attracted a lot more attention and a bit more evidence. But essentially, the issues are the same, the evidence is pretty much the same, and the jury are facing pretty much the same sort of complex analysis that they that the jury in the first trial did. Will the jury know that the last jury was a hung jury, do you think? Yes, the jury are very aware of the fact that this is a retrial and they've been the judges told them that the first trial is completely irrelevant unless a witness has changed their evidence from the first trial. Be very interesting to see what happens here. Martin Van Bainen, thank you very much for bringing us up to speed and no doubt we'll check in with you once that jury comes back. You're welcome. Next up, we're going to be getting to the bottom of a question we posed you last week. Why are pets so often banned from rental properties? But in the meantime, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, remember to chuck us a like and to follow on your favourite podcast platform. Recently, we asked you if you think pets should be banned from rental properties point blank as a standard. And a whopping 93% of you. Voted no. The strongest of strong majorities, if there ever was one, reckon pets should be allowed in rentals as a given instead of something that would need to be negotiated. So we decided 93% definitely means this is something we should talk about further. And here to tell us the reasons why the rules are what they are now and whether or not there is any room for that to ever change is Tim Horsborough from the New Zealand Property Investors Federation. Tim, kia ora. Thank you for joining Usable today. G'day. Good to be here. What we wanted to know from you, Tim, is why is that a starting point that pets are banned when you get your average tenancy? The the Tenancy Tribunal um, view the current status where if landlords rent a property to tenants and they've got a pet, then a landlord must expect the consequential increase in damage to the property as a repair cost 
from the any damage that's caused by that pet based on the rent that's um, coming in. So really it, it's quite difficult from a tenancy tribunal perspective for the landlord to claim back any costs that that pet may have caused. And so when the rulings go that way, we just get landlords that switch off and say, no, we're not going to accept pets. What's the most damage a pet could do? What, what are some examples of a pet causing damage? Look, you know, all pets, poo and wee, okay? <laughs> and, and so do all uh, rental houses have cat doors and uh, doors for animals to leave? The answer is no. So... Do tenants vacate the house and leave the animals inside the house? Yes. Do, do all rental properties have gardens and suitable areas for pets outside? No. It's very hard to have one rule for all, especially when you're dealing with apartments, you're dealing with a block of four flats, um, you may have tenancies quite close to each other, and then pets are in a very emotional bond to people, and so you're trying to please um, everybody, and it just, sometimes it doesn't quite work. But look, in, in some respects... I think landlords do want to give pets a go. However, the current tenancy laws, RTA laws, are making it very tricky for that to happen. So what would happen now for a landlord if a tenant did have a dog that was, say, barking or tearing up the carpet and the landlord comes through and and realises that and wants action or wants the tenant out? It's very, very tricky. It's just a a conversation, really, between the landlord and the tenant to try and, and do the best possible. It's too late if, you know, if you could take it to the tenancy tribunal, the tenancy tribunal will say, Look, I'm sorry, that dog's already here. You know, the dog's part of the agreement. You knew that dog was going to be coming in with the tenants. It's very hard for you to do anything about it. And then you've only got up to four weeks bond. Uh, and so if the tenant did get behind in their rent or, you know, there was some other damage done, uh, four weeks doesn't doesn't go very far. Tim Horsborough from the New Zealand Property Investors Federation, thank you very much for your time and pleased to hear that you allow pets at your properties. Good on you. Cheers. Are you the self-appointed organiser when you go on holiday with your bow? Wrangler. Wrangler. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, actually, you'd be surprised. No, I'm not. Uh, Ted is the organiser. I'm the better packer. Good. Well, I'm glad you've both got responsibilities. Mm. This quick wire question might trip you up then. What's the one thing you must never forget when you're off on a trip abroad? Multiple pairs of underwear. Okay, that was not the answer I was expecting, but it's an insight that is going to stay with me now. <laughs> what, what I was trying to get you to say was passport. The humble passport is what you should never forget, obviously, when you get it off on an overseas flight. But for those of us with a little trouble with the organisation part of a holiday, like myself and perhaps like you, Mo, I come bearing good news. Paper passports could be a thing of the past. Oh, no, no, but I love passports. No, 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 that's a wrong answer. Welcome to the future, (laughs) my friend. Passports are done. Well, okay, they're not quite done, but Finland, obviously, those Scandinavians, they are trialling the world's first cross-border digital ID at Helsinki Airport. And actually, in Singapore next year, they're going to start trialling a system where your biometric data, that's your fingerprint scans, your facial, facial ID scans, your iris scans, they'll all allow you in or out of the country. Now, as I said, those are still in their really early, early phases, but for the forgetful or the just plain anxious amongst us, it could mean the end of, you know, frantically patting yourself a hundred times on the way to the airport to make sure you've actually got your passport. I've got multiple questions here. I've got multiple answers. Hit me with your questions. First and foremost, will they still give you your stamp? How will you get your stamps? Look, 
you don't get your stamps that often anyway now. If you go into a place with an e-passport gate, you just have to fly through unless you go and ask for one specifically. There's other things you can collect. Fridge magnets, postcards. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Passport stamps are up there for me. And then second of all, does this mean we'll be microchipped? (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, I would possibly go for the microchip over having to Google what to do when you forgot your passport when you're like (laughs) New Zealand embassy near me (laughs) (laughs) may or not have been there once or twice before but hey let us know what you think hop on the Instagram and that is newsable for today I'm Jessica McCarthy I'm Imogen Wells have a lovely lovely day and make sure you vote remember last week vote 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 was this episode of newsable usable then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz support.